Hey, this is HK Perrin, and you're listening to Echoplex Media. Check out The Plex live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Don't forget to follow us on social media for beautiful food and inspiration. Big small towns Big small towns 
everybody welcome to down ballot the show is back to its og time 7 30 p.m pacific on tuesday right here on twitch twitch.tv slash echoplex media we do this uh, almost every week but there is an open mic that i like to go to sometimes on tuesdays and we may take a week off here and there so that i might do that though you might even not not even notice that as a podcast listener because we might just record this fucker some other time and send it out to you uh anyway after the show, we're going to start doing something called public comment, which has been sort of a big part of this network anyway. We've been watching a lot of city council, board of supervisors, and school board meetings. Um, but we've sort of stuck to Orange County, Maricopa County, sometimes stuff in the South Bay, like the 408 area, and um, obviously Shasta. But if you live in a place where sometimes shit just gets a little bit spicy at your local government meetings, please do Either email us at echo at echoplexmedia.com or join our Discord, discord.me slash echoplex, and just drop a link to your local meetings in the public comment channel on that server. I'm Producer Dave. You can find me on Grinder. And what's up, everybody? Uh, this is The Councilman. You can find me at T-H-E underscore Councilman on X, or you can also find me in the club, bottle full, above my mouth, got what you need if you need to feel the buzz. Um, so I'm happy to be here as always with you, producer Dave, and ready to dig into the local derp because as we all know, all derp is local, uh, no matter where you are. So. And there's enough, and, there's been enough news lately. We were able to do this on Friday and then again on a Tuesday. So that's not bad. And that's how we roll here in the South Bay. Sometimes it flows like manna from heaven and sometimes it's just a dead zone. So that you'll know those when we either take the week off or we, uh, we, jump in and do a little uh, you know, commentary on public comment, which is going to start happening, I think, later tonight anyway. So I might stick around for a little bit of that. Yep. So what do we got for leading off this week? Well, um, in case you hadn't noticed, and actually I hadn't, uh, there was a tropical storm that hit California for the first time in like 100 years. Um, top, tropical storm Hillary. No jokes in, uh, necessary or, or intended. Uh, and uh, yeah, apparently uh, it, it was such a, you know, very exciting event for everyone here um, because, you know, rain and wind, we never see any of that. Um, uh, people got a little freaky deaky in California and got a little, a little bugged out. I even had a friend tell me, oh, I canceled the trip down to LA. And I'm like, why? He's like, well, Hillary. I'm like, okay. Anyway, uh, so KTVU, our local <laughs> news station, um, they decided they were going to go up with the uh, Air Force's hurricane trackers and find out all they could about hurricanes and bring it back to us here in the Bay Area so we could learn things. The U.S. Air Force was flying right through Hurricane Hillary as it became a tropical storm. And KTV's James Torres was the only Bay Area reporter to join the Air Force hurricane hunters, showing us what it's like to fly in those hurricane force winds. You think you had to stand in line? You think there was like a big contingent of news reporters that wanted to get on this airplane? Oh, oh for sure. He had to pay like $250,000, like the SpaceX travel, you know. It's a, it's a um, luxury. Well, at least, at, least, at least he went up in the air and not under the water and he survived. Just True. outside the Santa Maria Public Airport, this is usually the home ground for a CAL FIRE. They have lots of large aircraft that respond to wildfires all throughout the state. But today and this weekend, it was the hub for the U.S. Air Force 53rd Reconnaissance Squadron, or simply known, the Hurricane Hunters. We rode along with their final flight of Hurricane Hillary, an overnight exploration proving the storm was weakening and weakening fast. We went up around 6.30 last night, didn't touch ground again until about 2 a.m. The goal, they say, cross through the eye of the storm however many times the National Hurricane Center instructs them to. Each time we cross the eye, that's called a fix. And for our trip, we attempted to complete two fixes. The only problem, 
When the storm is breaking apart, it loses its eye shape. So these hunters actually had a hard time finding the center of the storm. And while we were there's a joke in there somewhere. Chance to talk to the aircraft pilot, a young man from Florida who says, growing up in a state full of storms, this job seemed perfect. We're making a great impact to to all the coastal areas, and so uh, what we do is we're providing information that really uh, refines the track. So warns people way ahead of time um, whether they need to evacuate, and so that information gets passed on to the local officials, and then the local officials make the call on whether to evacuate their their areas or not. So uh, it makes a it makes a huge difference and uh, keeping the public safe, especially on the coastlines. Thanks, Zach. That noise you hear, that's researchers sending down what's called a drop zone. It's a tube launched into the storm collecting all sorts of data, wind speed, wind direction, temperature, you name it. They get that data immediately when the tube hits the ocean water and then that gets sent over to the National Hurricane Center. Experts there will then use that information to predict watches and warnings. For the most part, the flight was pretty smooth. Not that much shaking here and there, a little bit of turbulence, but not as much as you expect when entering the eye of a Category 2 hurricane. And once we're in the eye, we're flying at about an altitude of 10,000 feet, so real close to that surface level. Now, most of these guys, they're headquartered in Biloxi, Mississippi. They're expected to fly back home by the end of the weekend. Reporting in Santa Maria, I'm James Torres. They cut mm, him off before they cut him off before you could even say that he's with KTVU News. Yeah, seriously, I, or maybe he was with you know National Fox News. Who knows? And then uh, KTVU kind of like grabbed it, but the headline did say KTVU got got the flight. So yeah, I, I was expecting a little more, a little anticlimactic there, but uh, you know, it's why I think that was part for the course for this this storm. Actually, I think we were all expecting a little more. And um, I don't know about you, but you know, I my wind chime went off pretty bad, and my car got rained on enough to be dirty. I don't want to make light of anything. I haven't seen any footage from SoCal and what they had to deal with. You know, God help Malibu, right? But uh, well, have you seen luckily any enough, like the worst of it missed the population centers, from what I understand. So, like, a lot of it hit like the desert. Oh, interesting. Visalia probably got beat up pretty good. Well, I that's just like my like I I didn't like go do any research on this. this. Is just what I understand, sort of from people that I've been talking like because I you know. Because I'm active on the, the the website formerly known as Twitter, I do. There are a lot of people in LA and San Diego that are like part of my little circle. I oh, didn't hear sure, a lot from them. I mean, I noticed the humidity, especially mm-hmm. oh, yesterday. Sure. Humidity yeah. today, and eh, not so bad. Yesterday, I noticed humidity. But- yeah, it was definitely warm all day yesterday. Um, from the moment I woke up, and it was it was wet and moist. Yeah, my wife no, don't you word. wet is fine. Good wife hates that word moist. Yeah, me too. Oh, me um, too. Not 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 a word for me either. Yeah, it, it felt just like it felt a lot like the East Coast. Um, for anyone who's been to the East Coast, um, ever uh, or the tropics, even it's felt a little bit like that. Um, so different for San Ho and the Campbell and the Greater Bay Area, but uh, you know, um, uh, n- not as much bang for the, the 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 hype, unfortunately. But you know what? That's a good thing. I, I don't yeah, want to make you know. You know, I I haven't seen much from uh, Mexico or like like you know Baja where where we where it made landfall. But yeah, if we're not seeing a lot from there, <clears throat> it probably just missed population centers. Thankfully, one would hope. Um, or it could be we're not seeing anything from Mexico, and then you know, there's all sorts of damage going on. We just don't are getting the news. But um, yeah, no, I I think no news is good news, frankly, in this kind of situation. So. Um, I, th- I do get the sense and I did get the sense watching like local news reports, not this one particularly, maybe more like NBC Bay area's coverage. And it was really tough to find like one thing about this cause it was just blanket coverage. 
But I, I did notice one thing, and it seemed like they just, it, it, maybe it's true of every disaster, they kind of want more damage. I, I Right? Am I right? Am I wrong in, in, in sensing that from local news? They want more shit to go down. They want the floods to last longer and for more people to be put out of their homes and the death tolls to increase so they can, you know, keep putting up the graphics. I don't know. Am I mean, I it's, it's, it's the old saying, if it bleeds, it leads, right? I mean, like they obviously, yeah. And not for nothing, like it's not necessarily the local news, but um, our 20, like the 24 hour news cycle is built for mm-hmm. a disaster, right? Yeah. It, it relies almost on there being impending uh, disaster, be it natural or uh, human, human caused for, for their business model and to keep eyeballs on like somebody, somebody said it and they, they were right there. Like the uh, 24 hour news stations are built for one thing. And that thing is nine 11. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. They were built off of one thing too. I mean, that really did it. Maybe we were headed there and headed here, but instances, incidents like that and um, things like the pandemic, right. And COVID they spur these kind of movements for right? these things that have, that have been in flux and, and in motion. Um, and they spur them and they accelerate them and they catalyze these uh, transitions. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a different world. And I don't mean to imply that these producers are sitting around like, yes, let's have more people die. It's more like they're not upset all that. They're not as, as upset as they would be if it was like their relatives, if the death toll rises, if the destruction is just catastrophic, right? It's good news. It's good for them. It's good for ratings, frankly. So they're not going to complain about it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying they're rooting for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's just the business model, right? Like the more eyes mm-hmm. get on your stories, the, the more, the more advertisers are willing to pay for the, for the advertising yeah. spot. It's pretty messed up actually. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty it's, messed uh, up. It's ambulance chasing in a different way. Um, anyway, but that's leading off. Uh, so hope you all survived. Hope your, your pets are all well and healthy. Um, and we'll see you around the next one. Next time we have a tropical storm in California. Probably next year. It's it's entirely you know I, I it's entirely possible, um, given what clim- where climate change is at. This is, could be the new normal, right? Not the outlier. So we're gonna move on uh-huh. to winners and losers. Yada yada uh-huh. yada. There are no winners. Um, what's going on at James Lick High School in San Jose? Dude, I do not know, but apparently there's like you know roving gangs of teenagers randomly coming to campus to beat up kids and stab them. Oh, that that's all I know. And so parents are like not really excited about that so they had a meeting if it, if if it's true i would find it a little less than exciting but uh, as as we as these stories often go it's probably uh, a bit overblown i'm just gonna take a video yes we'll see a video we'll see frustrations are boiling over at a james lake high school in san jose parents and at least one teacher say their school is increasingly dangerous and something has to change now the outrage comes after two violent incidents just since school started a few weeks ago here's nbc barry as damian trujillo San Jose police say on Thursday, several intruders entered the James Lick campus and stabbed two students. Both are expected to survive. My students were texting me from their classrooms. It was a second violent attack on campus since school started in early August. In the first week, one teacher says a mob of teens and adults came to the campus and attacked two students and two staff members. I've never experienced anything like the start of the school year. Mike Gottenby has been a teacher for 25 years at James Lick. He posted this. Uh, Mike Gottenby looks like the one they're not going to try to beat up. I'm just kidding. I'm getting big. I'm, I'm getting big. This dude will whoop your ass vibes off of him. <laughs> Over the weekend, Wrestling coach. Voicing his frustration and worry. 
I believe our school is in crisis. Over the phone, Gottenby told me he stands by those comments today. And once again, we were helpless to defend ourselves. Today, a small group of parents met outside the school to vent. Said if it was my granddaughter, that it happened to my grand, oh, all hell would overwork loose here. My, my grandkids and my She's kids. She's like, I'd burn this mother down. <laughs> my life. Berta Fernandez and Mike Gottenby both say they want to see police back on campus, but a board member told me they don't believe officers on campus is the answer and says the district is cultivating a positive and supportive relationship with police. Meanwhile, at 70 years old, Berta says she's willing to volunteer to help keep the campus safe. Oh, damn. <laughs> don't fuck with Berta. And they want me, I'll be here day and night. Over the phone, the superintendent told me immediate and long-term changes are in the works as the district assesses a situation. And he insists James Slick is not a bad school. Parents we spoke to agree with that assessment. I want to start off by saying James Lake is an amazing school. I went there, a lot of my best friends. We all have careers, we all graduated from college. While well, parents point to needed changes like more security and perhaps perimeter fencing, they say it's up to them to start taking ownership of the school, getting more active on campus and holding the board members accountable. We don't have a lot of positive community support here. And what I would like to see come out of this is more parent involvement, community support. Let's go show up to, you know, these students' events and, and bring them the support that they may be needing. Police say there still are no arrests in last week's stabbings. Berta Fernandez says she aims to make sure it doesn't happen again. And I will be back. If anything happens here again, all hell's going to break loose with me. And remember my name. Oh, my God. Remember my name, Berta Hernandez. She was, she's ready, man. That Berta so, is ready. I've always her. thought that it should be very difficult for you or me or just any random person actually to get pa past the perimeter of a public school campus. Um, I've, I, I, it shouldn't be like a fucking Scientology place or whatever where there's fucking like. Well, maybe it should be. I think it should be. Oh, I have no business like on. The, there's a school right, 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 right around the way from where I am. I have no business on the campus. It should be pretty fucking hard for me to get on that campus like during, during school hours. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And you know, unnoticed, you're not going to wander on campus unnoticed, right? Um, just because there's no walls or fences or you know um, metal detectors greeting you, right? Um, you're not going to go unnoticed uh, most campuses because there's just people. There's just eyes everywhere, um, and really you know we could build the walls or the gates or even just simple you know fences right and 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 make it and and, and put some layers in place right um but that also keeps the kids in right it traps folks inside campus um and it creates uh it just it just perpetuates from my perspective the the cycle of violence and the cycle of um you know just uh, the side that side your side, my side, um, and a lot of times the the threat comes from within anyway, like students, right? Um, it's not a lot of times it's not just someone wandering on campus, or it's a student wandering onto campus, right? Be, uh, they were um, planning this, right? Um, so in the middle of the day, they walk onto campus, but a lot it's the calls coming from within the building. So I think we'd be better served you know, serving the students and trying to treat um, the underlying causes. But it also you know makes sense to have layers, right? Um, and, and more buffers in place. Berta uh, is one of the layers. She said, "Remember Berta her name." Right. God damn, Berta is ready, man. I mean, I and it's it's 
it's also debatable whether or not having police on campus is worthwhile anyway, right? Especially when in situations like, you know, we saw it in, in Parkland um, or uh, in uh, the Florida shooting, right? Um, yeah, it was Parkland where the fucking, where the, where the, where the campus cop like ran. Yeah, exactly. So, but and, like, think about right, this, think know. about this too. Like if they don't know what the fuck's going on, there's only one of them. It happens across campus from them. What are they going to do? Like, right. You, yeah. And they're not yeah. Rambo. Correct. And there's no, there's no, there's not adequate staffing in anyone's police department really um, to police all of the schools adequately, right? To have, have, you know, uh, have a patrol on each school, right? Um, whether it's just the high schools or it's all the schools, right? And there's, you're talking about, th and plus you're talking about different jurisdictions. There's 31 school districts in Santa Clara County, 31 and 19 in San Jose alone. Um, within the city of San Jose, there's not one school district that runs them all. There's 19 overlapping um, school districts. So everyone's got their own little fiefdom and everyone's got their own issues and everyone has their own preferences. Um, so having some sort of blanket policy that allows for something like that, like a big MOU with the police department to say, we're going to have whatever patrol of four officers on your campuses at all times, even if we had the staff, it would take so much wrangling and, and you know negotiation and bullshit um, policy making <laughs> that it would take, it would drive parents nuts and it would take years to implement anyway. So this yeah, also, I, I, this also like seems like both of these incidents, people came from off campus. Probably, and these, probably it was probably a mixture of, you know, people on campus and off campus who engaged in the, 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 the attacks. Yeah. But I'm just, this to guess. sounds like something, you know, sounds like something very targeted to be, to be honest, like looking at it too. It's like, I just don't know many situations where random rogue, you know, rogue packs of people, young people or adults or whatever, wander onto a campus and just beat up some random person, right? Like, I just don't see that. I imagine there was something going on here underlying all of this, right? Some sort of underlying beef or problem or, you know, shenanigans, um, gangs. Um, and then the staff member, whoever it was, got caught up in the scuffle, right? Trying to stop it, yada, yada, right? I, just don't, I don't see this as being some sort of random thing where people are just, oh, kids are just for kicks just going on to campuses and like, you know, high school campuses. Like, I'm going to play hooky and go to someone else's school and kick the shit out of someone. I don't see that happening. I just, I just don't. Kids, you know, they're not that random. <laughs> never, shit's like, shit like this is never that random. There's got to be a reason. And it might not be a good reason. It might not be, a, a, it might not, might be a criminal reason, but there's a reason. Right. right. Um, and I think that, you know, I, <clears throat> I think that trying to figure out what happened here might be a really good idea. Um, I'm trying to figure out like what the motivation yeah. for this is might be a really good idea because then the school can sort of determine, okay, well, this is like a one-off thing that was a beef and these people got arrested and we don't have to worry about this anymore. Or maybe something, something more systemic is happening in the community that needs to be like addressed and maybe not necessarily by the school. Maybe Berta can go take care of it. Berta could just show up, start showed up at people's doors and be like, you stay away from that school. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm afraid of Berta. I don't want to fuck with her at all. Um, the school has good leadership though. I, I know the principal there and the, the team there is very good. And the, the community is very, you know, at least the alumni community is very strong and very supportive. Um, and those parents seem very supportive. So I, you know, I, I think that, that whatever solution they arrive at is going to be beneficial to the community. It seems like they're in a positive frame of mind. That's good. Good place to start from. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, it, like you said, it'd be very wise in any situation like this to get to the root cause, figure out what that is, and then address that 
rather than you know uh, addressing sort of the result, right? What what caused this in the first place? And then you know maybe it is putting up fences, or maybe it is putting up some sort of barriers or some sort of impediment, right, to keep um, to keep the campus a little more secure because it's uh, it was somewhat random, or it, you can expect it to happen again, right? You know, when I went to high school, uh, just down the way from where I live now, actually, um, the, it was an open campus. And when they opened the campus, I remember the first year I went there was the first year they opened the campus. And a lot of the parents were like, oh, people from other schools are going to come here and start fights. And that never happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I'm sure. To, to, to my knowledge, that never happened. And uh, one of the kids, like, we were just somewhere with parents. One of the kids said, somebody comes from another school and starts to mess with any of the kids here and they're going to wish they didn't. I was like, whoa, that's, cause that was one of the, like the kids that I didn't really know. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was like, maybe, yeah, maybe like one of the kids I thought was like a bully sort of, but I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I was like, well, right. you don't want to mess with that kid. Exactly. Right. Uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, or something like that. So, <laughs> so, uh, Good on good on them for keeping your campus safe. That's always got to that's got to feel. But like good. none of this happened, and I think this is you know sure. I don't know if this is an open campus or a semi open campus, but whatever this is, you know if 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 it just happened at the beginning of the school year, maybe maybe there was some fucking beef where people were unable to find the the subject of this of the beef or whatever, and they well they're like well I know where they are now because the yeah. school year just they, started. They've definitely shut down a lot. Like the, the open campus concept is just, at least in public schools, most high schools is, is just shut down right now um, for a variety of reasons. Um, COVID certainly helped, but also these, all these incidences, right? Like it's just, it's just the first, it's the first layer. Just shut it, shut it down and, and keep the kids on campus who are there, right? And keep that contained and then worry about the external threat if it happens. Oh yeah. Um, I mean like, so, right, yeah, so I open, yeah, with, with all ahead. the craziness we've been seeing at school board meetings and stuff, I would, I mean, maybe in places like here where the, that tension doesn't exist, it might be okay. But like, you know, up in like places where things are a little more divided than the Bay yeah. Area, uh, yeah, yeah right. open campus seems like a seems like a bad fucking idea. Yeah, and but most most of them aren't, um, from what I can tell too. I mean, I, I, my good wife and I live in adjacency to a high school, public high school, and yeah, there's actually you know quite a few. Maybe not. Um, I've, I've noticed an uptick in police presence. Um, at least for the beginning of the school year, um, before and during the school day, I'd see more cruisers around, which um, I'm sure is intentional. Um, but I also see more staff patrolling, like the the field and the the you know, public areas, looking for kids or getting open, high. open areas. Yeah, and even on during lunch hour, while the kids are out there, like just hanging out and playing, like they're out there walking the grounds, right, and and just keeping an eye on everything. Um, and the kids all have to seem have to stay put. Right? They're all kind of stuck there, so you don't see a lot of. Yeah, running around and, and kids, and we would have kids running around in our yard, frankly, <laughs> if that was going on, because um, we were, we're a great spot, lots of shade right across from the school. I'm sure there'd be some kids in our yard just hanging out. The good so. wife would be like, "Here's some lemonade. Get the fuck out of my yard." Yeah, please go the fuck away. <laughs> I, I I would be that old dude in the just in the thing. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. I'd take the bad baby out there. My baby's sleeping. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Well, uh, we'll either keep an eye on this or uh, hopefully we won't have to keep an eye on this because maybe this is just a bit of an isolated incident where, you know, everybody, the tensions might just be high as people start school again. Who knows? Mm -hmm. That's one of those ones I hope is a one-off. This one, unfortunately, the next one is not a one-off, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. This is a Richmond uh, spa and, uh, oh, I hadn't heard of Legionnaire's disease in a while. Let's Let's see how NBC Bay Area covers this.
had to look it up. The lab results are in. Contra Costa County health officials say deadly Legionella bacteria was found in water samples taken from a jacuzzi hot tub at a day spa in Richmond. Two people died after visiting the spa and several other customers became ill. NBC Bay Area's Jody Hernandez has more on the results and the spa with an unlicensed jacuzzi. Richmond's Zen Day Spa remains closed, and this morning the county formally ordered the spa to remove and dispose of its hot tub after lab results confirmed it's indeed the likely source of Legionnaire's disease that killed two customers. This morning we received final confirmation from the lab of water samples that were taken from the hot tub at the business as it containing very high levels of Legionella bacteria which means the hot tub was a likely source of infection from this investigation. County health officials now say they've identified two more people who were likely sickened, bringing mm -hmm. the total number of infected to six. Ron mm -hmm. Oliver of Richmond is one of the two people who died. His wife has set up a GoFundMe. She didn't uh. want to talk on camera, but says she's devastated that what was supposed to be a relaxing day at the spa ended so tragically. It is so... Um tragic that, you know, individuals go to a day spa to become healthy, feel relaxed, and instead get sick or die. And, and that is really what is tragic here. Contra Costa County Supervisor John Joya calls the owners extremely irresponsible. The county says the spa did not have a permit to operate a hot tub, and it was a residential unit that was not intended for commercial use. That hot tubs and pools that are open to the public require health permits to ensure they are safe, properly maintained, and regularly inspected. Clearly, there was not responsible behavior in operating uh, that uh, hot tub and not getting a permit. The county says it's now checking with other day spas that have hot tubs to make sure they're properly permitted. They're also developing an app so customers can rate spas and see if there are any complaints. Meanwhile, health officials say they're submitting their reports to the district attorney for possible criminal charges. In Richmond, I'm Jody Hernandez, NBC Bay Area News. Okay. You know where you're never going to hear about any of this happening? This place like Water Garden or, mm. uh, or like power exchange like these uh mm -hmm. like the bathhouse type places right. you're gonna hear none of this and none of these fucking yeah. sex sex bathhouses you know why because those places no it's not that it's not that you won't hear about it it's that it Clean. will not happen yeah Clean. those places they, they, they... for both reasons both good and bad are highly scrutinized by public health officials but also i mean i've known a few people that have worked at and been management at places like that and they've been very you know there's like there's a lot of people coming in and out of here and people are having sex so we got to keep this place fucking spick and span and very tidy they oh, they yeah. <clears throat> they do testing like of the water and like they 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 are have like outside um people come in from labs to do testing regularly and stuff because the, the, the cities and the counties want to shut the bathhouses down right they always have and yeah. so <clears throat> you're never going to hear about that shit happening at these uh, places that you would think are dirty, but then just your kind of average day spa. Yeah. I bet a lot of those places are pretty fucking lax on their cleaning and whatnot. Oh yeah. Unpermitted spa or unpermitted uh, jacuzzi in a former, former residential unit. Although it did look like a commercial space. So I don't know where the hell the residential unit there is, but yeah, it's, it's very, very shady. Very, very sketch. Um, and I've always been, a, I, I agree 100% with what you're saying. And I, I, uh, I've always been a firm believer that 
you know, when it came to like food, right? For example, if, if a restaurant had some sort of outbreak or some sort of, you know, scandal, some sort of health scandal, honestly, if they reopen and they survive it, they're probably going to be the cleanest place to eat in the world, right? Like the safest place to eat ever, right? So anyone say, oh, you went to whatever, Chipotle or something, right? Like, how could you do that? You know, didn't you get salmonella? It's like, no, they're actually probably taking really good care to make sure that no one else gets gets diseases because otherwise they will have to shut down, right? And that's not only only their livelihood, but if they care about their employees, which, you know, some places do, some places don't get the livelihood of their fucking employees. Plus their own personal reputation is on the line and stuff. And like what Correct. I was saying about the, 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 like I'm just supposed to call them gay bathhouses is that there are already under scrutiny and viewed in a certain way. So of mm-hmm. course they're going to be fucking spick and span. In yeah, fact, I know I, I totally, I know to fucking to- totally straight couples who just go to those places and get a private room for like a spa day because they're like, no, that's the clean one. Actually, <laughs> that's the clean one where the water is always really nice. The, the towels of are clean course. and the people are very uh, nice course. to you there. Of course, yeah, and this is just another extension, frankly, of um, uh, you know, issues San Jose has been having and South Bay has been having with unsanctioned um, you know, bathhouses and spas in general, just the Bay Area, but um, and some have been trying to crack down, um, and then there's also the you know, massage parlors and and that kind of thing. So it's it's a it's a shady industry, especially when you're doing these things out of former residential units. So so be careful of the jacuzzis you go sit in. Um, go to the gay bathhouse the, one. Yeah, seriously, like it's the clean one. The I tell you, that's the clean one. I, I feel awful for the the two people that lost their lives and the people that have been sickened. So uh, sorry for bringing that to to bear in the in the docket today. But yeah, it's it's more of a PSA. Like mind your mind your shit. Like get you know find the clean spots. If you have any doubt at all, you probably should walk away. That's that's all I'm saying. Before you sit down in the hot bubbly water. And there's, there's another another time. Maybe get a recommendation from a friend who goes regularly. And if you if it if you pay a little bit more because your friend recommended the good spot, you just pay a little bit more. I did want to point out that yeah, that's that's actually right in line with uh, something I did want to say was a. Uh, <laughs> she mentioned oh, we're they're creating an app so that you know other people can alert people to you know shady stuff or to you know leave reviews about the the spot. We already have like, that. Isn't that called Yelp? Like <laughs> what the fuck or Google? My God. Anyway, they're creating a brand new app just for this. But like, stay tuned. This is like a luxury item, so like, don't cheap out on yeah. this if you don't. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, there are a lot of like really nice fucking places. Uh, you might it. have to drive a ways. There's a lot. There's a couple really nice places up kind of by Walnut Creek, Concord, that are just a little bit outside the city center, where the the like outside and like the yeah. these are these are like not hot springs, but they're springs that already existed. And like there's just all kinds of great options for this kind of stuff. But just yeah. just uh, understand that it's a luxury item, and you should be um, you should expect to pay a little bit for it. And if you're not paying. If you're paying half of what you think you should be paying, uh, might not be worth it. Just because it's cheap doesn't mean it's a good deal. Hundred percent. And that place did not look like super fancy, to be honest with you. Um, looked a little looked a little shady just from the get. So, right. Especially if there's if they're not willing to show you even just a little bit of what's going on inside. Um, that's like eh, sketch. So be careful, everyone out there, and make sure you get vaxxed and masked before you go into one of those. Even if you're going to do it, <laughs> your pants are optional as always. Well, I mean, you'd be wearing swim trunks or maybe nothing. Who knows? You just, never know. Just a Definitely. mask and socks. Oh. <laughs> anyway, it looks like, um, <laughs> you know how they're like package thieves? Mm-hmm. Like they steal from like your front, your front door. Porch, porch pirates. They're the porch pirates. Yeah. Well, it looks like there's a, we'll call these, um, 
there's no word for pirate starts with all these are others luggage thieves at uh, san jose airport and this actually mm. really fucking sucks be honest if say you're you head out on vacation you pack your bag and then you show up to the fucking thing and you're like you see somebody walking away with what you think is your bag and you're like ah oh, maybe i'm just being paranoid or whatever right and then you realize 15 minutes later oh fuck that was, that my was bag. your bag and yeah now now you're fucked well we're gonna learn more about what's happening here and, and what we might be able to do to prevent it Noon 11, he got off a plane in the South Bay, only to realize someone stole his suitcase right from the baggage carousel. And that bag was on the move heading to East San Jose. NBC Bay Area's Marianne Favreau is at San Jose International with a look at how one man used an air tag to track down his stuff. Jeff Garcia says while he never did find his suitcase, he did get some of his items back. And he says he's sharing his story to make travelers more aware of what might happen to their luggage. After a trip to Alaska with his fiance, Jeff Garcia returned to San Jose Friday on a Southwest Airlines flight. But his luggage never made it. It was supposed to be on this carousel in Terminal B. As he was reporting the suitcase missing to the airline, he says he checked the air tag he had hidden inside. I could see the bag showing on Technology Drive at Highway 87. A few minutes later, it's on Highway 87 going through downtown San Jose. So Jeff and his fiance Gloria got in a car and tracked the suitcase here to a homeless encampment off Story Road near Highway 101. We ended up under a uh, bridge where there was a homeless camp. Jeff called police, who he says arrived more than three hours later and retrieved a bag of belongings. Inside, the shirt Jeff is wearing now and an empty box from a souvenir mug he'd purchased at the original Starbucks in Seattle. The rest of his stuff, gone, including his suitcase, similar to this one. I'm extremely frustrated. Jeff says his brother-in-law's suitcase was also stolen and police recovered a few of his items in the same location. Now Jeff wonders if other passengers on his flight had their luggage stolen too. There were two people reporting bags missing from the same flight. We reached out to the airport who told us they're looking into it. Police could not tell us if similar incidents have been reported. Passengers waiting for bags at SJC told us they're concerned. I'm very surprised, you know, that how can people take away belongings that don't belong to them. Jeff says he hopes the airport will beef up security at baggage claim so other passengers don't have to go through what he did. We've reached out to Southwest Airlines to see if they've had additional reports of this happening to other passengers, but we have not yet received a response. In San Jose, Marianne Favreau, NBC Bay Area News. So I'm guessing, so people that watched this might have thought, oh, the homeless are going to the airport and stealing bags. Here's what I think is probably going on. Somebody ain't homeless going to the airport, stealing a bag and just dumping the shit they don't want near the homeless encampment because there's Correct. already, because it's just a place, you know, that I just could see where someone would do that. Um, Correct. Like all, the, all those people who you know, who live in encampments, who have the time to like, hang out and, and stalk SJC baggage claim, right? And then have a car and, you know, someone waiting for them and grab a bag, you know, take it somewhere. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're just dumping it there. No doubt. You, you are 100% correct. I liked how at the, the, at the upfront of the story, they said what you can do to prevent it or whatever. And then they gave you shit all at the, during the thing about how to prevent it. Right, right. Just like, you know, make sure you grab your bag. It's like, well, yeah, okay. Um, I do I do know one thing. Like, if they really want to up the ante with security at SJC, they got to hire Berta. I mean, so, she, she would not allow any bags to be getting out of there uh, 
at, at all, unless you had some ID, right? Well, that reminds me, actually. I, I mean, you used to fly back in the day, right, when you were a youngster, right? They used to, ch I remember they'd check. Like, they would, you had the bag check, right? You, you still get one. You still get this little check that says, this is my bag. And they scan it and they say, oh, yes. But that's really, if you like, they lose it. That's really right. not, it's not so much like if you get stolen or if it, or to verify that it's your bag. They used to make you, like, there was a, a steward or an attendant at the door at baggage claim, let's say, let me check, your, like at Costco, let me check your bag, let me check your tag. Okay, good, you're good to go, right? They used to do that. They don't do that anymore. I mean, they and don't it might have been, it might have been some people probably grabbed the wrong bag and were like, oh shit. Like that dude, it happens now all the time. Like, yeah, bags yeah. look all, every, my bags look like everyone else's bags, right? I try to put some sort of like bling on them so that some sort of flare. It's obvious. Yeah, some, there you go, flare. Like, you're, like flare. you're working at, uh, what's that, TGIF? Correct. Yeah. So here's, here's a, a tip and, Sometimes if you, especially if you're frustrated about how much it costs to check your bag and if you're staying at like a, you know, a, a reasonably nice hotel when you get to the other end and I just mean a place, like just a place with a fucking concierge or somebody at the desk, it might be cheaper to ship your fucking stuff to the hotel than to pay mm -hmm. for the, the, the pay for your bag on the, on the flight. And then <clears throat> you get to the hotel, your stuff's just in a box. And then you, if you have, maybe you have a good relationship with your neighbor, family, family member and lives nearby, whatever, uh, mm -hmm. when you, before you leave, you'd put the stuff back in a box, put a fucking label on it and drop it, drop it off at the FedEx, ship it, ship it to your mom's house on your way home from the airport, you know, next day, you know, you'll, cause you have extra, you have more clothes at home. You don't, you're not going to take everything when you go on vacation. So it takes a couple well, of days for the stuff to get back, but then like, you yeah. don't even have to deal with any of that shit and you just put what you need in your carry on. When I went yeah. to. I did that when I went to um, Netroots Nation in uh, Detroit, and it was the smartest thing I ever did because my I went to the desk. I said, "Hey, I have a, I have a package here. This is my name." And they said, "You certainly do." And all my clothes were just in a box, all folded up, like at the fucking hotel that I just took the box up to my room. And when I got Brilliant. done, I fucking from my laptop just you know you get a little you make a label at FedEx, you get a little QR code, you take the fucking box to FedEx, they scan the QR code, slap the label on the box, send it back home. It was the Brilliant. smartest thing I ever fucking did. I would Brilliant. never do it any other way. I know that like that's a hassle kind of. Mm -hmm. But but imagine like just showing up at the hotel and your stuff's there. Mhm. Mm yeah. It'd be nice, right? I mean, it would take a little I mean, a little more maybe a little more on the planning side just to make sure you have everything you need in your carry-on. Well, no, your carry your carry-on, I mean, you like I traveled like my carry on. I made sure that I had like socks, uh, underwear and a change of clothes in case something happened. You need to have underwear. It's so important. People right, don't but, forget to pack underwear. I forgot to pack but, underwear once on a trip. It was the, it was not good. It was so go, bad. Go good. Buy some underwear, dude. I know I had to go buy underwear. It was awful. Like I had to, you know, go. it was so shameful. Um, but, <laughs> but anyway, just consider that, especially if like you look at your, your, when you look at the flight and it costs a hundred bucks to check your bag or something. Mm -hmm. it don't cost no hundred bucks to ship a fucking box of clothes across the country. It costs mm -hmm. 20 bucks. Yeah. True. So, um, and, and, but you have, and again, uh, this is also like a matter of like, if you're staying, if, if it's like an Airbnb, maybe the person who runs the Airbnb would be willing to hook you up with that, but maybe, maybe they wouldn't. So you, you got to check it out. But if you're staying at like a, like a Hilton or a, you know, Marriott or like one of them fucking hotels you've heard of before, you can absolutely send yourself a package there and have set it up to arrive the day before you get there. And then you've saved, you know, 80 bucks on your, on your checked baggage. If you got a cheap flight and maybe you spend that to upgrade the hotel so that you can ship your fucking clothes there. <laughs> like, 
producer Dave Travel Bixen. I love this. If you're going if you're going. going overseas, the the calculus changes and you can't do this. Right, right. Well, but we should definitely get this get this rolling as a a, a closet industry for us. We could uh, send you know care packages, travel boxes for folks. <laughs> Just have an app. You know, we'd make sure you know it would have like little packing cubes and make sure everything was nice and tidy and that it would all and maybe like someone gets there and it's all all unfolded and put out in the hotel room when they get there right like you check in we check in for you this would be a good thing actually and i don't want to get i don't want to spend too much time on this but it'd be a great thing for a, like a hotel to offer actually to mention mm. be like hey if so. you don't want to pay to check your bags you can just ship your clothes to us in a box and we'll make, so. we'll make sure to give it to you when you check in. Like that'd be a great, like a hotel, a hotel ad where somebody shows up and they go, Oh, I'm this person. And I, uh, I have a package here. And then they hand them a box with their fucking clothes in it. That'd be a great ad for a hotel. Let's get it wrong. We need, we need to do this. We need to absolutely do this. Um, and we need, we need your leadership. We, Let's go. we need to somehow monetize it as well. Cause I, I don't know. Exactly. I, I don't know about you, but I don't, I'm not swimming in the dough right now. So, well, you know, you know who is swimming in the dough Segway, uh, San Jose police department. San Francisco Police Department. I'm sorry, San Francisco Police Officers, I should say. There's yeah, they, women in it. Um, if you could imagine, if you could imagine, they got paid a lot of overtime to bust this uh, skateboard event that's been going on for years without major incident. Here's, uh, here's what K KTVU Fox 2 has to say about it. Francisco Police presence at that skateboarding event back in July at Dolores Park cost a lot of money. The news site Mission Local received information from San Francisco police. It shows the overtime cost for that day was more than $143,000. City also said damage to muni vehicles cost about 70000 The police have said low staffing levels have been part of the reason for the high overtime costs for their departments. Ain't shit would have happened to those muni vehicles if those cops didn't come bust that event. Hundred percent. I was just about to say the same damn thing. Like, let me see. Did the the damage to the muni vehicles happen before or after police arrived in riot gear and marched down the street like Battleship Potemkin? Like, I mean, what the fuck? Like, like I said when we covered this initially, my impression of this event. The I, I only went once, but my impression of this event was kind of like family fun for everyone. Like mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. at night, so there weren't like young children out there, but there were kids like teenagers out there with their fucking parents and shit. Like it was like a just a it was like a fucking it was like a street party. It was. I don't understand. I did, I did. I did not see anything unsafe or unsavory happening in any of the footage um, that that I've been shown about the event. So it seemed like a nice, wholesome family skateboarding down the street event. And so, what if they didn't have permits to shut down the street? Like, who's going to run them over? It's <laughs> their kids. It's like it's like Viva Calle without a permit. Right. Like their kids. Yeah. I, I don't know if Bike Party has a permit. Do they? Do they oh, get absolutely. Permits? I mean. There's sort of an implied permit because how, what do you, yeah. how are you going to, oh, I don't know. That, that wouldn't go so well if this SJPD started trying to fucking arrest people at bike party. Right. That right. Would, I mean, they publicize their, their routes, right? They publicize everything that they do. They just don't necessarily get wanna, the permits to shut the street down. You want to so. see a spicy fucking city council meeting in San Jose with a lot yeah. of upper middle class people really pissed off at the cops? Start fucking, start arresting people at bike party. <laughs> That was today. That was today. They discussed police reforms today. That was the only thing on the agenda that was worth worth listening to. And yeah, that was all it was. Was a bunch of fucking white savior woke people in the in the public comment. Oh uh, really? I might I might yeah. hit that I might hit that up during the post game tonight. You might want to. It was it was pretty spicy. It was nice and fun. And the new council members all got to talk about the people who've been on have been on we're not on the council during the George Floyd protests. Um, get to talk uh, a lot 
about their opinions. So, uh, well, fun, fun, fun times. Here's some get your shit together from San Francisco. The former mayor um, criticizes London Breed on her approach to solving the homeless problem. And I'm, um, this could go either way. Let's see what happens here. Now to the latest on the homelessness crisis. One of San Francisco's former mayors says the city is spending way too much money on this problem. He says despite Mayor London Breed pouring billions of dollars to try to fix things, conditions are not getting any better. ABC 7 News reporter Suzanne Fawn has more. Former Mayor Frank Jordan spent years trying to crack down on the homeless problem in the 90s. He was mayor between 1992 and 96. And this week he told California Insider that Mayor London Breed's efforts are simply not working. When you look at our homeless issue, we've spent in the last seven years $2,800,000,000. Now that's in seven years. And we're averaging now $700 million a year just on homeless. But when you break that down, nobody seems to know, is it 7,000 homeless or is it 17,000 homeless? Jordan criticizes the mayor's efforts to put the homeless in local hotels for housing. He says 70% of the homeless have mental health, drug and alcohol problems and need round-the-clock supervision. They start fighting with people in the hallways or lighting fires in the room. So we have, uh, I think, approximately 30 of those 70 hotels that are now suing the city because of the damage that's been caused in those hotels. Jordan says we need to try something new. I think you need mental health wards. You need group homes. And I have to have judges who will mandate 60, 90 days of care, not just 72 hours and put them back out on the street. In the 90s, Jordan introduced the controversial Matrix program, using police to crack down on the crimes that homeless people were committing. More than 20,000 citations were issued, but critics say mm. Jordan's program did not provide alternatives for homeless people. I have found that no matter what policy I try to be sensitive and, and uh, helpful to the homeless, there's always detractors out there that will find something wrong with the system. Jordan criticizes Mayor Breed's current approach to getting unhoused people off the streets. He says too much money has been spent and the problem only seems to be getting worse. Mayor Breed did not respond to the comments, but today we heard from the San Francisco Coalition on Homelessness. We tried it Frank's way and it didn't work. It was an abject failure. Um, when Jordan was mayor, we had way more homeless people than we do today. So um, that didn't work. We tried it. It failed. Time to switch gears. In San Francisco, Suzanne Fawn, ABC 7 News. Yeah, it sounds like his he wants to try the one flew over the cuckoo's nest method. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Yeah, right. I, I don't know what's up the bug, what bug is up his butt right now, particularly that makes Frank Jordan want to come out and say these things about London Breed and how they're how she's handling things. I don't think we're necessarily huge fans of how London Breed is handling anything in San Francisco right now. That being said, um, Frank Jordan needs to like check himself before he wrecks himself with his own comments from back in the day when he's like you know, I'm sure there's people who find my methods controversial and will complain. It's like, yeah, it's been pot meets kettle. Um, but he's, yeah, he's obviously one of those folks who's on the bandwagon of let's lock everyone who's mentally ill up and not just for three days, but for forever. Let's put them away. Let's throw away the key, you know, and that, that'll solve everything. Ah, yeah. Like I, I feel like, first of all, the facilities don't exist for, and if we wanted to do it and if, if they were to be put together in a hurry, it would be much like that fucking movie. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Like it mm -hmm. would be, it would nurse ratchet and everything. Like it would be, it would be a bad scene. Um, <clears throat> there are, um, they, these people always, I think they have the car going the wrong way. I think that, I think that a lot of, 
uh, people who are uh, on the street or uh, without housing end up uh, mentally ill as a result of their day-to-day anxiety, basically, of Mm -hmm. not being able to go somewhere and shut a fucking door and go to sleep, not being able to go into a bathroom, shut a door and take a shit, or shower, or both, you know, if you run out of toilet paper. Um, Like, and I don't, you know, this housing first is fine, but once somebody's already got, um, once somebody's already, you know, suffering uh, mental illness from homelessness there do need to be like wraparound services that that are helping people but you got to put them somewhere first and i'm not sure that a jail essentially that you're calling a a mental health facility is the right place i think that would increase many people's anxiety and exacerbate the situation and then what are you going to force medicate people um i think that that's got a pretty wicked nasty history and i feel like maybe a lot of the people that would be for that were just against vaccines (laughs) It's like, <laughs> and then what kind of space are you forcing people into? Right, um, it's not as though we're building these, you know, beautiful, uh, you know, robust resort-style, you know, rehab facilities. Right, it's it's some government-sponsored facility. It's going to be just rank. It's going to look like that spa uh, in in the day spa in Richmond. Um, you know, it's and that's not healthy and not not the right thing to do either. So. Uh, yeah, I don't, we, we don't have the, you're right. We don't have the facilities at all for this, whether they're nice or not, but, um, we're certainly not going to, you know, be providing them with the, the top notch, uh, in customer service, right. And hospitality, because we just want to sweep them under the rug and get them out of the way. That's the whole point behind that policy, right. Not to actually help them, but to get them out of the way. And <clears throat> yeah, like you were saying, if, if there were like nice facilities where people could get some help and then after that facility, there were maybe not like halfway houses, but like transitional housing and stuff. I think a lot of people would go for it, to be perfectly honest. They're like, we're going to take you somewhere. Here's some pictures of it. Uh, mm-hmm. You can leave anytime you want, but we're going to offer you uh, 90 days and we're going to offer you treatment, try to see what's going on and uh, see if we can help you. Is there any family we can contact so that people know where you're at? Your family's welcome to come visit. Like if it was that kind of thing, yeah, I think a lot of people would go for it, especially like people who just like who just like fell down. Do you know what I'm saying? People who just lost their housing, if they knew that there was a place that they could go, even if the, even if it was like treatment focused, you're like, no, 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 I don't really need treatment, but we can, I can definitely, I have some stress, some anxiety about this. I did just lose my house. There's someone here I can talk to in like a bed. I think a lot of people would go for it. It's just, you know what? That shit's expensive. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, a lot of this is, uh, every, every solution is, and there needs to be, layering of solutions to help a broad spectrum of folks. But I think you've hit on another important point in that it, it really, if you're going to focus, if you have to target the money, if you don't have the money to do everything, we don't have resources to do everything. And we don't, um, we can't solve homelessness right tomorrow or today or really ever. Um, what you can do is target the people that are most vulnerable, the people that are on the cusp of being homeless, right. And the people who have just become homeless. And in that little, that, that narrow ish, um, target, you're going to find that you're going to be able to do the most good with the, um, with your resources, right? Your resources are going to be, are going to go to the most good because you're going to be keeping people either in their housing, um, at that moment when it's just absolutely, you know, critical and protecting them from falling deeper into despair and, and, and true mental illness from being on the streets for too long, right? So if we can focus on those groups, getting people back into housing immediately and rapid rehousing, right? They call it and keeping people in their housing, that is at least one area where I think that 
focus could be um and, and then once you do that and that becomes the norm and people start to see some uh, you know good results from it people might be people in the city taxpayers whatever might be inclined to give more money to that program to try to sure. expand who they're helping because i think you're uh, sure. you know i think like <clears throat> yeah keeping people who are about to be evicted in their homes is 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 you know it's a good way to reduce that number long term but you know then you don't get to round anybody up you just get to go help somebody right Right. Like, um, but there's a lot of people trying to do a lot of good things in this space. I should don't get don't get us wrong here. Um, uh, and everyone's trying to do what they can, and no one has the all the answers. So, like, I, I don't just, want to vilify London Bridge. And this is never going to happen, right? Imagine you get a um, an eviction notice comes to the county, and the first thing the county does is says, "Okay, this person owes you know X amount of money." Um, you know. It, what if we backstop half of that right now? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like just something, I just imagine that, that there's ways in which there's ways in, and they, they, you know, you backstop this and, um, you know, you'd have to get the state of the feds involved and be like, you know, we're going to give you a, you know, here's a voucher for like a tax credit or some shit or, you yeah. but during, during the, during the pandemic, right. And somewhat afterwards and that they've extended them as long as they could, but there were, you know, no eviction, ordinances anti-eviction ordinances and they were using harpa money like relief money to backstop it right to back up that and so the government could could help people pay the rent and now that's all expired and drawn and 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 spent right and and, and dried up um so now folks are looking at and and they're less likely city councils and group governments are less likely to approve or, or extend uh no eviction uh ordinances because god forbid you know the, the housing providers need to make their money so uh Right now you're looking at, they're looking at a cascade of new unhoused folks as the bills come due and landlords are, you know, giving people the boot when they couldn't before, right? So um, there have been policies in place like that, but they need to be funded consistently and sustainably. Yep. Well, we're going to move on to a down ballot, aka recall watch, where we, you know, this is obviously a political and news show, but this stuff is more specifically political and more more likely to be about local government meetings and um local elections and things like that so here's our first one oakland residents rattled by recent violence ahead of town hall with district attorney it's all, all around the world it's the same fucking story embattled district attorney Sure have seen a lot of wild videos out of Oakland and tonight another one of a very violent and very disturbing robbery that ended with a woman being dragged on the street as you saw. A community activist showed this to us saying this is another example of what is all too common in Oakland. That happened just a few days ago and earlier this month security video caught this a driver peeling into an intersection and a person firing a gun out of the window right in the middle of a neighborhood. So let's bring in Betty Yu. So Betty, they were chasing we someone off a really yes. violent 36 hours in Oakland. That's right, Sarah. There have been four homicides in Oakland since Sunday. And one longtime resident today I spoke with said he's angry and fed up with this senseless violence and wants the mayor and D.A. to do more. The most recent deadly shooting in Oakland happened just before 5 p.m. Monday at High Street near a gas station next to 880. Paramedics responded, but the victim was pronounced dead a short time later. Everyone's saying the same thing who's not gaslighting people. Oh, it's never been this unsafe. It's never looked this bad. Seneca Scott, a resident. I'd like to introduce you to the year 1987, sir. 
Franklin wants to raise awareness about what he calls the city's public safety crisis. He shared video of this brazen purse snatching caught on camera at 17th and International last Wednesday. After knocking a woman to the ground, the robber drags her across the road. Earlier this month, another camera captured a passenger firing a gun at a car just ahead of it at 86th Avenue near Bancroft. Police said no one was injured, but several cars were hit. It's very scary. We have lost rule of law. There are several cities across America who are going through a very uh, similar crisis. The common denominator of every one of these cities uh, dominant progressive city councils and progressive DAs. Oakland police data this week shows the biggest increases in crimes compared to the same time period last year are seen in robberies, burglaries, and car thefts. This Saturday, there will but be that's a, a six-day window, right? There's there's lying, there's damn lies, and then there's statistics. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to take nothing that other dude said was true for five thousand. Ken, that was just was such bullshit. <laughs> just lay it on the progressives. Price, who is facing a recall less than a year into office. There is a balance between criminal justice reform and making sure that people are safe. When you say that your department is not responsible or has no control, that's absolutely untrue. A community safety meeting is planned for early September. Mayor Sheng Tao is also expected to attend. Our mayor has disappeared. She's absolutely ghosted her city. So that town hall you just saw, that's taking place, Sarah, this Saturday at 1 p.m. And it's happening at Cornerstone Missionary Baptist Why do they have to Church keep re-victimizing that woman by showing so that Betty, fucking video over and over again? Pamela Price right. did one of these public meetings, community meetings. She was up in the hills in Oakland. There was a long line to get in. She faced a lot of tough questions from some very upset people about in the hills? crime concerns specifically. And now she has this recall effort that's going against her. So what does she need to do here in a public-facing political sense. Well, tonight we asked a political expert that very question, and he says that Ooh. she needs to use this opportunity right Producer now. Producer Dave, did they ask you? Messaging. This is his advice. I would tell her to realize that she has oh. a, a much larger audience James than Taylor. the crowd that is angry at her, and that she needed to, to message and continue to remind the people, I'm trying to fix a broken system. What, you're, what I'm being credited with is more of that inherited broken system. I need time to make the changes and reforms that I want to make. And I think she needs to remind people that, you know, she didn't create this situation. She inherited it. She hasn't been in power long enough to be responsible for uh, most of these cases. And again, Pam Price will also be having another meeting in two weeks where she will be, where she will be addressing these public safety issues. Mayor Sheng Tao will be at that meeting as well, as well as Seneca. Okay, so we'll have to see how they interact, what they say, and what the public response is. Betty, thank you so much. We appreciate it. So <clears throat> I'm curious if the, the woman they showed, that they re-brutalized several times, they showed was attacked. I'm curious if she might've been a sex worker and if maybe people would have treated, treated her poorly if they saw her walking down the street. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And uh, so, I don't know. Well, the video was grainy. The video was grainy and it's hot out, but I mean the, the, she was wearing, uh, she was wearing some pretty, pretty short uh, shorts. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm trying to be careful here, right? Because I don't want to. Of course, I don't want to be. I don't. I don't. I don't want to get clipped. I don't want yeah. to get clipped and canceled here. But right. I just wonder, like, you know, if the if if that was a situation, you know, let's let's not let's not 
propose that she was. Let's say that sure. in a hypothetical situation where that person was a sex worker, uh, she would have been targeted because the assailants would believe that the law enforcement would be less inclined to help her. Um, but very, very polite of them to drag her out of the way of oncoming traffic. That was very nice of them. Um, do that. But yeah, no, that's, that's st- I didn't need to see that like over and over again. You're exactly right. There's just no need for that. Um, there's plenty of other B-roll you could show if you really needed to prolong the story and you didn't get enough footage or interviews or actual, did we actually do an actual journalism. I mean, would they run it five times? At least. And back to back to back to not sort of like, you know, oh, this was on a loop with other footage, right? This is just on, on its own loop. Um, didn't need that at all, right? Wait, did why not, did they have it on the TV the just on loop behind them while they were casually discussing the, the details of a meeting that was going to happen? But they could have right. put like the info about the meeting on the TV or a it's picture not, of the it's DA. It's not or, dynamic enough content, producer Dave. You need dynamic content. You need things like, look what I've got here going on. I've got like the, the, the lives for bribe above bribes sign. I've got like this, you know, a screen print going on. I've got this certificate for the good wife and over here, the orchata sign, right? Like I got some, Dynamism. I got some bobbleheads, you know. I, I would go over there and bang the bobbleheads. I've even got like the and the buttons, you know. right? You know, I've I got red things light. going on here. Yeah, it, it's it's exactly says bullshit. Um, but yeah, so I, I've I've got the dynamism going. You need dynamism. All I have behind me is gorgeous, gorgeous lighting, dude. It's going to be fly if you have like a, if you have like a green screen or a white. Oh, we can't hear you. You're not talking into your microphone. Oh, sorry. If you had like a nice uh, green screen, you could do some like cats or donkeys or, you know, goats in your backdrop there. Abs- absolutely no green screen. More trouble. No than green screen. Worth. White I hate screen. The, I, hate the way, I hate the way they look. Unless projection, they're perfect, then. they look like shit. Oh, then do like projection, like at the old Pink Floyd and Grateful Dead shows. Do like some sort of, you know, uh, weird psychedelic, uh, you know, projection. So <clears throat> we had mentioned uh, housing in San Francisco before, and this yes. is pretty interesting. The the Palo Alto yes. of all places has uh, voted for yes. a new uh, protection for our uh, tenants for renters. So let's let's well, see what's going see. on over there. Yes. Renters make up nearly half the population of Palo Alto, and now the city is poised to extend them new protections that go even further than the state. But as Devin Peely reports, critics say they aren't necessary and could even be harmful. What is the best way, what is the fairest way to balance the rights of a property owner, a landlord, with that of their tenant? The Palo Alto City Council is about to expand what's known as just cause eviction protections. Some people on one side of the issue say that's long overdue. Some property owners say it goes too far. For a small property owner, it's a burden. Benjamin Sitz has been helping to manage his family's two rental properties for the past 20 years. He says he doesn't understand why Palo Alto is now considering renter protections far greater than what's already provided by state law. I think that the city needs to be careful about enacting regulation, additional regulations beyond those that the state has already enacted without demonstrating a clear need. Under current state law, just cause eviction protections kick in after someone's lived in a rental property for a year. Palo Alto's law would shorten that to six months. Basically, a landlord at that point would have to demonstrate there was a reason for evicting their tenant, like not paying the rent or damaging the unit. And tenants who are evicted for what's known as no fault of their own, like the building was just being renovated, well, they're entitled to rental assistance and moving expenses. Every person who lives here should have stability. Angie Evans is a co-founder of the Palo Alto Renters Association and says the new protections are much needed, especially in the face of an affordable housing crisis. 
we are seeing every single month good tenants that are acting in good faith evicted um, by bad actors. But a spokesperson for the California Apartment Association says the underlying problem is the lack of affordable housing, something this new law will not fix. In a prepared statement, he wrote, the Palo Alto City Council should be focused on ensuring more affordable homes are built rather than adding more red tape and regulations. If they break their lease, you can still evict tenants who are problematic for you. Benjamin says he understands in principle what the city council is trying to accomplish, but fears it will hurt property owners as much as it helps renters. A property owner. Well, that sounds fair. Whether the tenant, uh, whether there's a serious issue involving the tenant uh, for a period of six months. Even some property owners who agree with this change in principle say that they believe that small property owners, people who have one or two or maybe even three units for rent, should be exempted from the city's policy. Okay, so the Palo Alto City Council passed the ordinance two weeks ago. It is supposed to officially adopt it with a second reading tonight. <clears throat> so, you know what I think? You know that guy that uh, manages two properties? Uh, you know what I yeah. He should uh, maybe have some little less avocado toast. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe skip one of them lattes every once in a while. I think he'll be fine. Um, the violin over here is playing for him, though. I'll keep playing it. Uh, but yeah, the housing providers, they're... Yeah, and at the end of the day, the young-ish lady, the lady from the, the rental renters association, the nice woke lady from Palo Alto, she's right. Uh, you know, it, you can still, even with the ordinances like these that exist in San Jose and other cities, you can still evict tenants and problem tenants if they're not paying the rent, if they're not doing the things that their rental contract that they signed, ostensibly, if you're a really flaky rental manager. Um you know, anything, if they're breaking their contract, you can absolutely evict them. It's not what this is about. This is about just cause, right? That That is just cause, right? So you can't evict them without just cause. You can't just say, oh, I need to clear the unit because I want to make more money because you guys can't pay as much as I can get from the next person to, to rent this place. Or I'm going to evict you because I want to tear it down and build a condo uh, or, or you know, fancy new condos and sell them, right? Like, you can't do that willy-nilly. You need to provide some sort of uh, protections and some support for your tenants. And realistically, if you are you know, a property manager and you're going to continue managing your property, do you really want to be evicting people? Like, you want, good, you want good tenants. You want reliable tenants. You don't want to be going around evicting people willy-nilly. You want people who pay the rent on time, no matter how much they're paying, frankly. They pay it on the first of the month every month, and they don't cause problems. That's the kind of renters you want. So I wouldn't be so super worried about this because you never know what you're going to get with the next renter, right? You can, we can allow you to kick people out, but you never know what you're going to get with the next one. So just, I mean, you might, heads up. you know, the, the, you get somebody who's just fucking annoying, who follows all the, all the, all the things on the lease, but it's like, there's a crack in my ceiling. You need to fix the crack in my ceiling. Sure. And, and like, I mean, you're entitled to that, by the way, as a renter, I don't want to suggest to you that if you're renting a space and there's something wrong with the property that you shouldn't, um, have, get it remedied. In fact, a, uh, when I, when I, when I, uh, when we signed the lease for the place in Campbell, the property manager was like, no matter how small you might think the problem is, you, you call me immediately. She's like, that's the thing that you guys might do that might make me mad. Because if we mm -hmm. come for one thing and we see two other things that you didn't call about, we're going to be mad. She, she's like, because these things just get worse. And so yeah, like, absolutely. like immediately, like two weeks in the, that we noticed like a small crack in the, um, 
in the window for the kitchen. I was like, hey, there's just this really small crack in the window in the kitchen. And she's like, thank you for calling. And then they came out and replaced the window on the kitchen and the living room and every bedroom but mine. And I was like, what about my bedroom? She's like, nothing wrong with your window. And I'm like, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, there was a situation where the the where I noticed a little water in front of the fridge and I was like, Hey, I don't know if maybe one of us spilled something, but there's water in front of the fridge. She's like, if it's right in front of the fridge, it's probably coming from the fridge. Uh, she's like, what time are you off work? I'm like, Oh, I can leave now. She's like, lucky you. She's like, when will you get home? <laughs> and then they came and it turned out the fucking refrigerator was leaking and they replaced the fucking refrigerator. And it's like, but some you get, and then I moved to the next place and we couldn't get the person to do shit. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, it's, it's, it's people are people, people kind of have it flipped upside down a little bit. Like if you, if you're renting from an individual, it's going to be like pulling teeth sometimes to get them to do things for yeah. you, especially if they think they're minor inconveniences or if they're very yeah. expensive. But if it's like a big property management company with a good re- reputation, they know the law and they're there to protect their, the, the property owner from getting in trouble with the law. And in mm-hmm. turn, and, and just as a function of that, they end up protecting you from a bunch of bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. But also, uh, uh, fuck landlords. Like, that dude who's like, oh, I have to manage these two properties. What I wanted to find out is, do you have a day job? Is this what you do? Probably not. Probably not at that point. You know, this, these are, you know, retirement investments for some folks, right? Or, you know, uh, these are their profession is, is managing these these one or two properties. Yeah, of course. That's fine. No one's coming for your job. No one's coming for your property. No one's even coming to lower your rents or do anything to impede your ability to make money, to make a profit even. We're just asking that you don't kick people out for no reason. Right. That's that's reasonable. You know, like the people that lived it, as soon as my place, the the fourplex I was living in, Campbell, sold, like the person who bought it was immediately plotting and scheming to kick everybody out and fucking lay down Pergo and fucking yeah. turn those into luxury apartments. And that's what they are now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, absolutely. So you, you, it's good to have protections in place so that they can't just boot, give you the boot. Yep. All right. We got, and another thing, this looks one to more be, thing. Um, this is, this is adorable. So somebody owns a pet store. They're maybe done with their pet store, but they're like, this pet store should stay here. And I'm not even going to charge you uh, to buy this business from me, but there is a catch. And I am worried that the catch is going to be a problem <laughs> just because of the nature of, just because of the way the world is. And, and is the catch of the day. Oh man. I don't know. Anyway, let's see what's going on here. A pet store in Chinatown has been around for two generations. The owner says it's his life's work, but now he's at the end of his leash and he's ready to give the business away for free. But as Itai Had reports, this is a tale that has a twist. You could say talking to reporters isn't exactly John Chan's favorite thing. I'm not good in camera. <laughs> But when it comes to animals, you look pretty good if he's both retirement age. Too loud. They actually listen. Too loud. <laughs> and why wouldn't they? Since he was little, he spent every spare moment at his father's store in Chinatown called Pet Central. <laughs> After his dad retired, John took over, tending to exotic pets, from birds to reptiles to fish. When you come to the store and you see all the animals looking for you, you know, dancing in front of you. Those are dope That's fish. The most important moment. Aww. 
for more than 40 years. He's been working 10 hours a day, six days a week, never taking so much as a couple of days vacation. But now, at 58, he's looking to retire and spend more time with the family. Which is why recently he posted an ad on social media looking for someone to take over the business. The ad read looking for someone who loves animals, asking price, zero dollars. Which brings us back to the store and the most burning question, why? We are not trying to make money on the pet store, but we want to find the good people, you know, good people with a good heart, take good care of an animal, that's the most important thing. It's not completely free. While John says the business is worth about $300,000, he's hoping to recoup the inventory, which is about half that. Our pet store is a good life, you know. Pretty, pretty fun. He says the idea is to find someone who'll take care of his beloved animals and loyal customers. Andrew Brown, one of his regulars, says this is the end of an era. I can only say it's very iconic of him. As for John, he's already making plans for the future. <laughs> Take a long time vacation, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month. <laughs> but first, quite literally, he has to give away the store. John tells Itai he still hasn't found the right candidate, but he's already got a few people asking. All right, let's shut down the podcast and go run a fucking pet store in San Francisco, councilman. Absolutely. We could run like a little closet consulting firm out of the back, right? And uh, we offer, uh, we, we send people out with goldfish to, you know, knock doors, right? They leave a, a, a flyer and a goldfish and a little card. Oh, it'd be glorious. Let's do it. I, I, I love this idea. Fantastic. Well, <clears throat> as always, I'm going to ask if you don't mind uh, reading out the show. Oh, well, why not? Well, hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us on our new old, old, new night of Tuesday. Uh, we hope to see you next Tuesday. Ha, ha, ha. Um, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. And we'll bring you all the latest in local derp. We'll probably have a little update from City of San Jose and other environs in our area. Um, please send us all the, the derp you can. Uh, if you're in the Discord, go to Bay Area News that uh, and, and drop it in there. Or just, you know, hit us up uh, uh, on the website or in the emails. And remember um, to stay tuned tonight for public comment with producer Dave and friends and uh, send him links as always. Uh, uh, you know, if you're out and about, make sure you get vaxxed, make sure you're wearing a mask. And if you're wearing pants, that's totally up to you. Okay. So listen to Audible Smoke. They're going to sing about FTB and we're going to peace it out and see you next week. Peace out. <laughs> To get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing green Sit with the front of the stage waiting for FTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing We now get the fuck up on and like the sea, yeah. We do what we want and what we.
we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man, because you know where we are. We're headed out to the car to smoke another one and another one. Now, just when the magic starts kicking in, I hear we left playing, and you know it's time to head in. Alright, everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink, spark it if you got it, and then pass it to me. And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want What we want to do and what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Enjoy that band Last up on the bill for the show tonight It's down and dirty in five So we're headed outside To spark up another joint Now who's got my lighter stone E, of course, shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the US economy. The truth is, is that I don't think logically. Stone E, take you on a psychedelic odyssey. Now, inside, motherfuckers is rocking me. And outside, shit, we smoke a lot of broccoli. Rocking the roller, you're the sexy girl, be jocking me. Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do a sloppily. We do what we want. And what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, what we want to do, and what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. nights at 9 p.m. It's time to sit back, relax, and play Conspiracy Bingo with Echoplex Media. We've curated the best conspiracy theorists the internet has to offer and turned it into a live bingo game you can play for free with absolutely no prizes but bragging rights. You won't find a live stream like this anywhere else, and that's probably better for everyone else's mental health. Tune in every Friday at 9 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia 
and find our full schedule at xplexmedia.com.